0: Today I was meant to be doing a sermon on prophecy but I said to Andrew, he's given me three minutes really, by the time you've done the tags and the advent and the communion and then, so it's a two stage sermon. So don't worry, you don't have to be here this afternoon but next week I'm going to finish it off but I thought I'd get started this week because although there are lots of different elements they all kind of link together because we have remembrance, we have the first Sunday Advent, Advent, and we have a theme which links really the theme of prophets. And what I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to ask um, Pam to bring to us some very short um, prophetic readings. I mean, you might want to sit here because I'm just going to introduce them for a moment and then just come up and I'll, I'll, I'll nick the mic in between briefly. Because what we're having in the theme of prophets today, what we're going to have is just three short prophetic readings about Advent. Readings which link in with Jesus. The first one is from Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was quite a depressing sort of person at the time, really. And, and he was speaking, it wasn't depressing, but it was kind of, it was a low time in the nation's history. You can kind of identify, perhaps, that, that the kingdom was divided, the people were in exile. And Jeremiah shares a prophetic picture of Rachel, the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, grieving and mourning for the tribes of Israel. For her children, her grandchildren, and successive generations. I'd like you, Pam, just to read this short reading, which is kind of where things are at and just pictures prophetically the nation of Israel.
1: This is what the Lord says A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. This is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return
0: from the land of the enemy. So you have the scene of the sadness, of the grief and of the mourning, and and in in a sense it links in as we're talking about God's comfort and God speaking to us as we um, remember people who've died. This prophecy, really, although it was relevant for the people then echoes through history because it's repeated again in Matthew 2 verse 18 a little bit later on in the Jesus story you know the the bit which they don't generally include in the nativity play and I don't think they are this time the bit where Herod slaughters the innocents but also you can see that passage that that grief and that mourning echoing into even just last week when somewhere very close to this land where Syria mourned the loss of innocent lives. You can really, that that prophecy, that prophetic word of of Rachel mourning and, and weeping can really speak into that situation. That prophecy reverberates today as we think as Rachel would have done as we think about death and grief and mourning, very often we can come with, why? What are you going to do, God? Are you going to send a sign? The good news, I nearly missed out and Colin added it for me later, is in the second part of this reading, Rachel's mourning, but then this is what the Lord says, restrain your voice from weeping, your eyes from tears Your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. Because Rachel, I mean, obviously she wasn't around at the time, but it's this prophetic picture. Rachel was seeing how the the nation, her her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, had been exiled, hadn't she? And, And she was wanting them to come back to the promised land. And he says, they will return. They will return. That is my promise. That is the sign in this desperate time. So... We hear that in Jeremiah, even though he wasn't perhaps the cheeriest chappy, there was that sign. But also in Isaiah, we have. And I'll let you read these next two prophecies the sign and and what's going to happen, which relate to Jesus, but also relate to Old Testament times.
1: It's Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Micah 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times.
0: Even then, in those days, the nation of Israel would have that sign, would have that promise. And these readings, you will probably hear, I think they've already sorted them, and David probably knows better than me, but you'll probably hear these readings as echoing into the promise of Jesus. They needed prophets then to give them hope, to give them comfort, and to give them signs. So, so when they said, why, God, God said, do not you know, wipe your tears away, things will get better. But also... They needed prophets in Jesus' time to actually say and to point towards Jesus. And we need prophets, we need that prophetic encouragement, we need that prophetic hope. We need perhaps sometimes to even apply Old Testament scripture to our own context to give us hope in our lives. And I can just give you an example. On Friday we were praying with somebody and I got given this reading. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. That was talking, wasn't it, about the people in exile away from their homeland. But also that speaks today to somebody in our context in the 21st century. That is the wonder of prophecy and the beauty of scripture. that God speaks eternally to each one of us. And I thank God for prophecy. And I will do the second little bit of the first half of the the sermon in a moment. But I thank God for prophecy and for what it means to us and how it can speak to us even now so those of you who've not been here when we've been doing the series we're continuing a series but it's each one is a standalone because i waved the book at the beginning of each one so that helps it's a book which i read on sabbatical i read a book um, called the culture of honor and what that means is that the culture of honouring one another, of actually respecting and um, trying to work out and to encourage each other's gifts and bless them for it, that culture of honour is the right environment, the right conditions to have healthy and growing and vibrant and life-enhancing and all those other things at church. Danny Silk, in his book, said that that Culture of honour helps mature us and mature us as a fellowship. So, he focuses at the beginning, at the outset, on this reading, which I'm sure most of you who've been here for the last three weeks that I've taken services will know from memory now. So, although perhaps Edna does, I will let you read it from the, from the text, Edna, but would you like to bring to us that Ephesians reading, which talks about the five-fold ministry, those ministry, some of those key gifts which help create that culture of honour. Thank you.
2: Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work.
0: So what that passage is saying is when you become a Christian, when you ask God to work in your life, he will gift and he will equip you in ways that perhaps you could never ever imagine that he would do. And these are some of the ways, not the eagle, but these are all that is. These are some of the ways in which he will equip you. And last time I spoke, I t- spoke about apostles and being apostolic, doing new things for God, sort of listening to God, and then, then Him kind of equipping you to inspire, but also to, to do new stuff, new groundbreaking work from Him, new ministries. And that is one particular gift. But this week I'm looking at, and possibly next week, I'm sure I will do, that I'm here, be looking at prophets, being a prophet. Now, for those of you who um, were actually here last time, I read from a book, and the bit that I read was the bit about a car crash. Now, I'll explain. That what Danny Silk, the one who wrote this, said was that you could understand the mindset of the people with the different gifts from their response to a scene, And the scene that he created was the scene of a car crash. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, the way that he says it. But, for example, the prophet. Just to give you an introduction to how the prophet might respond to a car crash. The prophet knew that this was going to happen... ...because he had a dream about it the previous night. Because everyone in the dream had survived the accident... He rebukes a spirit of death and declares with great faith and unction that all shall live and none shall die. He also proclaims that there are angels surrounding the scene of the accident and prays that the eyes of all the people's hearts will be opened to see in the spirit. Then he walks around and starts to call the destiny out in various people. He releases a spirit of revelation within the group and finally and quite naturally he begins to ask around and find out who is at charge in the scene. When he discovers the one in charge he discerns and tries to work out whether this is God's chosen leader or not or if he finds that no one is in charge he will appoint a leader. So a little bit as I said Tongue in cheek, describing like Danny Silk would describe the way in which a prophet's mind would think in a situation like that. So then, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get down to what the word prophet actually means. Prophecy in Greek is a two word combination it's pro, which means forth, and femi, which means to speak doesn't actually take a mathematical genius to put them together. Prophecy means to speak forth. And God emphasises the crucial role of a prophet throughout the whole of scripture, right from the beginning to the very end. For example, Chronicles, or even 2 Chronicles 20:20. that's a good one to remember, 2-20-20, he says, "'Listen to me, O Judah,' that's the south of the divided kingdom I was going on about earlier. Listen to me, Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. So God's perspective is, if the people of Judah have put faith in God's prophets, they would be successful. It seems that Throughout the Bible, that success is built through the value we maintain for the prophetic voices in our environment. That was true then, and that's actually still true now. If you think about the prophetic in our church, if you think about the prophetic in our communities, if you think about the prophetic voice, although you don't hear it very much, in the nation, we would all do a lot better if we listened if it truly was the voice from God. The prophet's role has been and always has been and will be was to speak forth for God and make us aware of heaven's perspective of God's view and God's sight on things. The anointing of the prophet actually equips us, in turn also, to have our own heavenly experience. It says about that in Matthew 10, verse 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. I'll say it again. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. What would that reward be? To see and to hear what the Spirit is doing and saying in our lives, our church, our community, our nation, and the world. That if we actually listen to the prophetic voice, we get a a heavenly perspective on things. And that in itself is a reward because actually we begin to engage in what God's doing in our own lives and in the life of our community, which actually is crucial for the growing and developing of us. It talked in that passage of Ephesians about maturing and, and not being like children. We want to mature in our faith so therefore we should listen to what the prophetic voice may be coming from others, may be coming from God, what God's personally saying to us. How that impacts our lives and the life of our church, our community and beyond. I'm not going to do all of prophecy. I'm not even going to do much of today's kind of relevance to prophecy today because we have communion Because we have other things to do. But next time, I think it's next week, I'll I'll conclude this. What I'd like to end with this morning is just the beginning. I'd like to end with a brief overview, an Old Testament overview of prophets and prophecy. To give you a bit of a taster. The first, beginning at Genesis 1 verse 3. Do not worry, do not get depressed, I'm not Jeremiah. Genesis 1 verse 3. God said... The first prophetic words, God was allowed to say prophecy because God could speak forth for himself. Okay? The first prophetic word in the Old Testament was Genesis 1 verse 3, when God said, let there be light, and there was light. God knew and God saw what he was in the process of doing, and he spoke it into being. And that's prophecy, really, right at the very beginning of Scripture. I said it was a brief overview. We have many, many, many Old Testament prophets. And I suppose, really, you could have a general way in which prophets are referred to. There's there's really two ways that prophets are referred to throughout the Old Testament, The first is that they're called man of God. For example, 1 Kings 17, verse 24. Elijah was called the man of God by the woman whose son he brought back to life. I won't get into the woman thing, by the way, not Elijah's woman, but I won't get into the woman of God thing because clearly there are prophetesses as well, but I'm not going to go heavily into that at this point. But basically, a man or woman of God is one way in Old Testament times that God that that people referred to, prophets, and that's one way of addressing them. The second way was the word called seer, from the verb to see, which acknowledges the prophet's supernatural gift to see things as God sees them, to have, if you like, a heavenly perspective. So we've got man or woman of God, and we've got a seer. And those two kind of perspectives, those two kind of emphases, emphasise that the man or woman of God really came into God's presence, really actually met with God, and God then shared, and God, God helped them to see things as he saw them, and then they'd speak forth what they saw. Apart from Genesis 1, verse 3, the first actual Old Testament prophet, as opposed to God himself, and this prophet was acknowledged by God, was Abraham. God told, we read, that God told Abimelech that he was to give Abraham, his wife Sarah, back because he was a prophet. Now Abraham, I won't even go into that story, but but basically God referred to Abraham as a prophet. So he was the first prophet in Old Testament times. I think you could probably safely say that the kind of gold standard prophet in the Old Testament was Moses because Moses, as we all know, spent so much time as man of God in his presence, so much time having one-to-ones with God. He was certainly on his friends and family rate. Moses so often went up into the mountain and came back with a shiny face and then he, he, he just shared God's message. He, he spoke forth God's message to his usually errant, in fact always errant people. Moses was, if you like, in Old Testament times, the gold standard for a prophet. Also, there was, out of interest, a formulaic phrase in Old Testament times that described the process of the prophet. And that process holds true today. It says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon, prophet's name, and he, stroke she, spoke or acted, in this particular way. I'll give you one example, for those who like examples. Numbers 24, verse 2, Balaam. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Balaam, him, and he spoke this message, and then there was this great message, prophetic word from God. So it's not seen to be that the prophet always was uttering things from God, but when the Holy Spirit came upon the prophet, the prophet then spoke the word of God. Often, prophecy was simply really words from God spoken through the mouthpiece of the prophet. Sometimes, however, things became a little bit more complex that God spoke through visions or pictures or dreams. In Isaiah, it's one that I particularly love, God God speaks through stretched out tent curtains and he uses that illustration to say you've got to stretch your boundaries in Jeremiah, the prophet spoken with, through, through this picture of figs and all sorts of different things. Ezekiel, remember the passage maybe about dry bones coming to life and having ligaments and fat and all sorts of things coming on them and living and breathing beings. That picture of dry bones was given as a prophetic word to God's people. And it's something again like all of these prophecies that we can listen to and, and be inspired by today. I think pictures is one of the key ways that God speaks to me. I think God speaks to different people, doesn't he, in different ways. But pictures speak particularly deeply to me because they can speak really into our hearts, can't they? And and when you have a picture like that, God can remind you of it again and again and again. And you can go back to that picture. And and as you, it's like the unfolding onion, isn't it? As you go back and back, something deeper and deeper comes into that picture. Prophecy then was proclaimed by the prophets throughout the Old Testament. And I could spend my entire life, and it just probably wouldn't necessarily be a good idea, but I could spend my entire life just looking at all of those different prophecies and trying to work them out. But then also, after the Old Testament, there was the intertestamental writings I don't know if you heavily studied them, Alison, not picking on you. Good to see you. We're still wanting to know if you made a decision about that church, but that's another one. But maybe God spoke to you prophetically, I do not know. We will see. But in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a bit in the middle. And in those writings, God again spoke at times prophetically. Right up until I would say that Old Testament prophecy lasted right up until the time of John the Baptist who many scholars believe, and I also believe because I think it's sensible, was actually an Old Testament prophet, kind of stuck at the beginning of the New Testament. Because as an Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus. In John 1.29, he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one I meant when I said, said a man comes after me. Who has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. John the Baptist then pointed towards the ultimate prophet. As I said to you last time, Jesus was the ultimate apostle, but clearly again, Jesus was and is the ultimate prophet. We read that he called himself a prophet, Luke four twenty four. he said, no prophet is acceptable in his own country. That actually, in that sentence, sums up the downside of being a prophet, because people who utter the stuff that God actually wants to share with his people are very often not very popular, because sometimes it's not good. Not only did Jesus call himself a prophet, the people saw themselves, saw Jesus as prophet. And again it was a widow, rather like earlier on in the Old Testament. The widow whose son Jesus brought back from the dead said, A great prophet has risen among us. Jesus was ultimate prophet because he was spirit filled prophet, but also he was in himself prophecy. Fulfilled. We've already seen and heard some of the prophecies this morning. In his preaching, he spoke as someone with real authority. And he had a prophet's manifesto, Mark 1:15. The time is fulfilled, said Jesus, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And Luke 4:18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has appointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus was ultimate prophet, prophecy, and prophecy was fulfilled in his life, ministry, death and resurrection. But Jesus wasn't simply just a man of God and God. He was also a seer. And this is the point where I'm just going to kind of cut the sermon in half. You'll be grateful. He is also a seer. As a prophet, Jesus saw, and we have so many examples of this in the New Testament. Jesus saw deeply into the hearts of men and women, as well as the heart of God. Do you remember when Jesus met with the Samaritan woman by the well? And he said to her so much about her circumstances that he could never have known humanly. And the woman said, he told me everything I ever did. I said to you, didn't I, I wasn't going to do too much in the way of um, prophecy for now, but I felt that particularly with today, when we're thinking about people grieving, particularly today when we're thinking about the theme of prophecy, that I'd like to invite Jenny up to share to us a prophetic word that somebody brought to her last week. And just to see the relevance of prophecy, how it can speak into our lives. So let's come up, Jenny, and do pray that Jenny will be given the right words and that uh, God
3: will speak funny. through her. I'll say the funny side. Nice first. and loudly as well. Okay. Okay. That'd be great. Um, I told my mum I was taking, um, going to a nightclub with the drop-in. And she said, do Church go to nightclubs? I said, yes, we do. Um, but it wasn't what she thought. a couple couple of weeks, weeks ago, thought. wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was a couple of weeks ago. I took the drop in to Crossfire. Um, I think uh, it was about 12 of us all together. And uh, the band contained three singers and dancers, rappers. Fantastic, absolutely amazing. And I was right at the front doing my stuff. You know, what they were doing, I was doing. With my stick and... And all children are all younger than me. Obviously, you know, I was the oldest, I think. They were taller than you. They. Yeah, they were taller than me. Yeah, they were taller. So after about 15 minutes, uh, one of them said, "Go to the VIP lounge, and if anybody has any questions to ask about faith, about Jesus, anybody wants to know anything, would you sit down and quietly speak." So we all went. Well, quite a few of us went to the back room. We had little uh, booklets and bags and. Different questionnaires and stuff. You went to support some of the young people. I went to support the young people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, we introduced everybody, and we asked different questions. I asked questions as well. How some of them had uh, come to faith, and a young man had said he he'd come to faith when he was 14, and he was 24 at the time. Wow. Uh, So then we went back in and did a little bit more. The gig carried on a bit longer, and then a lady came out and said. I have a list here of people who need healing. Somebody's got a bad left ear. Somebody's suffering with a bad back. Somebody's suffering with a bad foot. So there I am with my stick. I'm a hearing aid and a bad foot. That's like words of knowledge. So this was, you know, we laughed about this one. So we said, in two minutes, we'll go back again to the VIP lounge and we'll do some healing on anyone who wants to be healed. So I took... Some of the crowd that was with me went to the back and uh, one, of, one of the lads said, what about you, what about your back, and what about your foot? Because I didn't think about me. So I thought, oh, okay, I will. So I sat down and two ladies were praying for me, touched my back. And I was, I didn't know where I was. I, I thought I was asleep because I'd opened my eyes. I'd obviously gone out. I don't know how long for but they were still praying and I'd come through but it was uh, the feeling was that I was asleep and I was, wanted to tell everybody don't worry I'm okay I'm fine so you're like resting in the
0: spirit but so I was, they prayed for you and then you kind I of just, rested just,
3: just went sideways I've just gone for seconds so of course obviously it did bother a couple of people from the group so I explained that I'm fine there's nothing wrong with me I'm okay and it carried on other people were you know it just carried on And then the last part of the evening, we said we'd go to the back and say goodbye individually to everybody and thank you so much for coming and hope you, whatever you've heard, whatever you choose, you know, we pray that you pray for the right things and for the right reasons. So as I was about to leave, the gentleman I asked first of all how he came to faith. He said he did when he was 14 or 19. He said, I've got a message for you. And he stood sideways and he went, he hands like this, and he said, All of the years that you cried at night, God is telling me to tell you that He's caught your tears, every one of them. And I have had, <clears throat> I'm sorry about this, um, I have had quite a few episodes in my life that nobody could have ever known about. Um, so I obviously started crying again because it was a shock. I didn't think it was for me. But everything he said, nobody else could have known. So after a few seconds of tears, I got myself together and, and we got back on the bus and playing games on the bus, coming back home again. Um, I felt as if I had to spread that to two other people who were feeling, um, who has, who have felt like I have. Um, I'm holding these hands out and I'm saying God is catching your tears so it's, it's been amazing for me because MJK they text me every week um, as Make the Jesus Known it's the band and they say spread the word of Jesus it's awesome mm-hmm. and today I can honestly say what song did we sing? how good is A is, is plan? Mm-hmm. to be in God's almighty plan and it's working for me. Can you
0: just say that, just the words once again, what, what, what the man said?
3: He said, every tear that you cried at night, all, for all them years, he's got his hands like this, and he said he's, he's caught every one of them. But when, as time has gone on, I did not just think it was just for me, it was for me to tell other people mm. that needs think. that... Shall we just pray? We thank you, Lord, that
0: you speak prophetically into our lives. We thank you for that young man having that courage to speak to Jenny and to share that word for her. And we pray today that um, that word may be a comfort and a blessing to her, to know that you are close to her and you have always been close to her. And we pray as Jenny share that word, she's spoken prophetically by speaking forth that word here today. We pray that if there's anybody else who feels that that word, as Jenny believes it may well be, is for them too. We pray that they may know that God is catching their tears, that God is with them and wants to bring his comfort, his hope, indeed that this will be a sign to them.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you.